G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon focuses on God and hope, and it's the end of our What's Good About God series. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, today we're wrapping up our What's Good About God series, which in many ways has been an apologetics series. Apologetics is all about defending your faith from outside criticism. But today, I want to go on the attack. You see, there are lots of reasons why people criticize the church or Christian faith. Some of them are good and valid, and some of them are not so good. The thing is, though, we don't always need to be on the back foot with apologetics. If the world can criticize Christianity, surely the world should also be open to critique. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect, I want to say to you that I put my hope in Jesus because of the hopelessness I see in the world around me. What's good about God is the hope found in Him. In Jesus, I find strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And I'd love to share that with you. Before I do so, though, I want to tell you about lunch at Hungry Jack's. On Tuesday, I had a funeral, and after the funeral, I wanted some comfort food. So I waddled across the road to Dolby's Fountain of Wholesome Food, Hungry Jack's. As I grabbed my order, a man looked me straight in the eye and told me he was about to get on his bus to leave to Brisbane. I wished him all the best. But as I went to leave, he followed me out and said, Hey you, I'm not finished with you yet. I know what you're about, and I want to talk to you. Of course, I was wearing my clergy collar, so I realized we were in for a deep chat. Outside Hungry Jack's, the man who we'll call Dan spilled his guts. He'd obviously had a few drinks, and was heading to Brisbane to go and see his kids. He was also feeling hopeless. His drinking was getting him down, so he looked me in the eye again, pointed at his sorry-looking luggage and said, What hope is there for me? It was a heart cry from a hopeless man. I'd listened long and hard to him, and I knew it was my time to talk. He was looking at my collar, so I knew he didn't want pop psychology or general advice. So I garbled out the best response I could give him as to why I follow Jesus and why I find hope in him. When I finished, he said, This is good for me. We need to talk more. So we prayed a passionate prayer for hope outside Hungry Jack's, and he went on his way. Today's reading from Matthew 4 is perfect for Dan. It's also perfect for us as we think about God and hope today. Matthew 4.12 says, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. In some ways, it seems a bit hopeless. John had been proclaiming the kingdom of God and a message of changed lives through repentance. But then he gets arrested, and it seems the hope that he shared is snuffed out. It also seems as if Jesus withdraws to Galilee because he's frightened. But Jesus hasn't given up hope. Instead, he's heading on a preaching circuit of hope to a people who are hopeless. We know this because Matthew tells us this in verse 16. 
the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The towns around Galilee weren't places of religious hope at the time. Instead, they were villages of fishermen, traders, and soldiers. People from all sorts of backgrounds lived in these new villages that were popping up to the north of Jerusalem, the centre of religious power. At first, Jesus' message doesn't seem filled with hope. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, he says. Jesus' first public message is, Repent, change your ways, turn your life around, stop living your own way, and align your life with God's way. It's an offensive message, but it's a message of hope. Many of the people of Galilee weren't too fussed about repentance or heaven or even God. They were just trying to make enough money to pay their taxes and scrape by in life. And this is why Jesus' message is so filled with hope. By withdrawing to preach to the hopeless, backwater, bogan parts of the world, Jesus is demonstrating that God's love knows no bounds. God is just as interested in the people over the road at Hungry Jack's as he is in us. The next thing Jesus does is he calls two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, all of them fishermen from identical families. At first glance, this seems unfair. Surely if Jesus is going to call an elite group of 12 disciples, he should share his callings around. Reflecting on this question in Bible study on Thursday morning, though, I realized that that's just it. These disciples aren't elite. There's nothing special about them. Jesus can call anyone he wants, and he does just that. God is just as likely to call you as he is your sister or your brother, and he's, and his kingdom isn't like some groups who can only include one person from each profession. Jesus takes the meager jobs these people have and turns them into a purpose for life. He says in Matthew 4.19, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Friends, my hope in Jesus gives me strength for today because he knows how hopeless and frail I am. He knows how average and sinful I am. He knows that I don't have much to offer, and yet he gives me the highest calling in the world service in his kingdom. The reality that Jesus knows me in all my imperfections and shortcomings, and yet still wants anything to do with me, and even has work for me to do, gives me hope. A web article I read this week sums it up brilliantly. It says this, Biblical Christian hope does not mean living in the clouds, dreaming of a better life. It is not merely a projection of what we would like to be or do. It leads us to discover seeds of a new world already present today because of the identity of our God, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This hope, in addition, a source of energy to live a different life, not according to the values of a society based on the thirst for possessions and competition. So friends, as a practical application, I want to encourage you to write a message of hope to yourself and stick it somewhere in your house. I did this once when I was struggling with life. I stuck Luke 1.37 to the top of my doorway 
It said this, nothing is impossible with God. It hung abrupt by front door, and every day it reminded me of the strength I had for that day because of Jesus. The first disciples left their occupations, families, and old lives behind because they found hope and strength in Jesus. Many of us here have done the same. Christian faith is a here and now faith, but it's also a future faith. As the first disciples put their hope in Jesus, they felt him change the world for good. Look at Matthew 4.23, which says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Notice how Jesus' preaching and his healing go hand in hand. As the kingdom of God is proclaimed, healing and wholeness follow. These healings aren't magic tricks or gimmicks, though. They are windows into the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, a place where there is justice, wholeness, and where the hopelessness of this world is swallowed up by God's love, people get a taste. In some ways, Jesus' healings are like a free sample of life in the kingdom. They point to the glorious present-day calling all Christians have to feed the hungry, heal the sick, and comfort those who mourn. And they put us to the heavenly hope God gives us that one day hunger, sickness, and sadness will be a distant memory. So many people in our world today are without hope. They're lonely, depressed, and anxious. Part of the reason why mental health issues are at an all-time high is that hope is at an all-time low. People flock to Jesus because in him they found a mission to get behind and hope that the kingdom of God offered them more than this world ever can. Friends, we're going to look at Matthew's gospel in the coming weeks, but to finish up, I want to look at Psalm 27, which is a psalm of hope from a place of vulnerability. Verse 1 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? At first it sounds cocky, until you realize that the writer, David, is fearful as he writes, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's taking himself, he's talking himself out of hopelessness and into a place of deep trust in the Lord. In doing so, he discovers that unwavering trust in God is the best cure for loneliness, hopelessness, and fear. My favorite line in Psalm 27 is verse 4. The one thing, one thing have I asked from the Lord, which I will require, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Friends, there is hopelessness in our world, but greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Jesus has died and risen again, and so come what may, when we trust in Jesus and embrace his grace, we can know that when all is said and done, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So friend, don't lose heart. Hold on to your hope in Christ. Keep sharing the reasons for the hope within you. 
and you can't go wrong. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.